An idea born out of Monday morning chats at the coffee machine. In this series, we chat to our guests about their going out experiences and how it shaped them. Join us, Pippa and Georgia, team members at Skiddle who love going out and miss chatting about it. Welcome to episode four of the Going Out podcast. Today, we're joined by Josh White, one half of the drum and bass duo Hybrid Minds. We chatted to Josh about his first drum and bass night spent at Fabric, raves in fields with friends, the atmosphere in New Zealand's huge drum and bass scene, their passion for liquid and the up and coming DJs they're excited about. Tune in. Welcome to the podcast, Josh White. We've got Josh White from Hybrid Minds, who are an English electronic DJ production duo um, consisting of Josh White and Matthew Lowe, who's currently in New Zealand, so not joining the conversation. But welcome, Josh. Hi, guys. You all right? Yeah, we're well. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, Shane Matt couldn't join us. He's uh, halfway through quarantine at the minute. Ah, yeah. So he's in his hotel. Locked in a hotel. Yeah, 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 no way. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, yeah, we can just ask you all the questions today. And you're actually the first drum and bass artist that we've had. So we're really excited about this conversation because Skiddle Skiddle users love drum and bass. They live for drum and bass. Yeah, it's it's mad. Like, I think all of our tours and stuff have been mainly put through skiddle and there's of like the kids seem to be using using skiddle <laughs> a lot especially all, all the drum and bass fans so yeah it's brilliant yeah, yeah that's good currently there's actually 15 events listed for you guys on skiddle which we were like whoa there's so that's much mad. yeah so much to look forward to though yeah um, so we want to kick off with basically your story so i'm not we're not actually sure where you grew up we couldn't really find it google to do a bit was of not research. telling us but um yeah <laughs> basically your first going out experiences and uh, where were those where were you going out yeah so basically um matt matt's from sort of birmingham um now lives uh near leeds i have always lived in hertfordshire like in a in a really small little town called tring which is like past watford um and there's not much going on here really <laughs> so like our first sort of going out experiences for me and my friends were um probably before we were old enough to go to the pubs would have been in a field somewhere like there was a bit of a free party scene like when we were growing up and we'd, we'd go out to those um and yeah just deck set up in the field sort of stuff um nice. which was great fun before that i suppose we'd go to gigs like live events <laughs> uh reading leads those sort of festivals which were great mm-hmm. yeah but like the first sort of club stuff i don't know um, as soon as me and my friends were all old enough to go to Fabric, that was the first place we went. Oh, wow. Nice. That's a big place uh, yeah. to be the first. Normally yeah. people's first are a bit like a downgraded little club, but you started at like the top, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I suppose like um, because because there's not much to do where we live uh you have to you jump on the train and go to london like so if you're going to do that you're going to go to fabric like that's just what we all did and it was like those early sort of 2005 i think sort of like players dj hype hazard those guys uh, doing fabric every friday it was the drum and bass night go there once a month and it would just be like the 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 highlight of of the month sure Um, yeah were you always listening to drum and bass? Was that like the first genre you really got into or what were you listening to back in the day? Uh, like, I don't know. I sort of grew up on like rock music, indie music, hip hop, um, sort of skate, typical like skateboard stuff. Yeah. Um, and then got into drum and bass, maybe about 16, 17. My friend had some turntables and it just looked, it looked cool. So I was like, I want to do that. And then just sort of really got into it, delved deeper and deeper. 
and uh, got my own turntables probably when I was about 17 and got well into drum and bass then basically <laughs> and all, all sort of like the heavy stuff the jump up stuff like the fun stuff that mm-hmm. really appeals to the younger kids that just want to go out and go mental basically so yeah I'd say that's sort of like how when when I got like serious about this is what I want to do and, and this is the music I'm that I love I suppose so when you were talking about before when you were going to fields and you were listening to decks were you listening to drum and bass then at that age or was that kind of yeah inspirations there yeah it was it was sort of like I don't know like you know free party music it's like a lot of techno and stuff hard mm-hmm. style and stuff like that but there'd always be like one or two drum and bass DJs and I suppose we there'd always be like a friend playing or like um, I'd get a set, you just stand around waiting for six hours with your record bag yeah. <laughs> that you've carried through a field in the rain. like, And then eventually like someone lets you have a go. And uh, that was sort of it. I suppose I was going out like a bit of a train spotter and I was the sort of person that stands there staring <laughs> watching the DJ which Trying I to hate push him now off the decks, like, yeah or just like going out to fabric and staring at the DJ like judging every mix like, how did he do that like, oh really so you've always stuff. looked at it like that through that kind of lens of like a fellow yeah. DJ yeah and just like studied them which I hate <laughs> when I DJ there's nothing worse than someone staring at you like you're like this you guy's like, off. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it adds the pressure on but i didn't realize at the time that's probably what i was doing just staring at them like, yeah <laughs> like but yeah I, I i loved going out but it quite quickly turned to being a bit of an anorak watching the djs <laughs> who's playing who's the best dj like and sort of followed it a bit like that, I suppose. What was Matt doing during that time? <laughs> so Matt was, um, I suppose that might have been before I met Matt. Um, so he, he was also going out to raves. He was already producing. He was making uh, jump up music. And we met on an internet radio station. Uh, I'm not sure of the year, but we both did shows on that when we were uh, jump up DJs. And then we ran a record label together for meeting on that and then eventually started making music in like 2011 and that's when we pursued hybrid minds but up until that we were both like jump up djs like playing all all the mental mental heavy stuff which was actually quite fun (laughs) but yeah he, he he was out going to raves it was like that i suppose everyone was sort of doing the same thing in our scene at that time it was just like people having a go at making music and going out to all the raves he would have been going to the big ones in Birmingham and stuff like that whilst I was going to Fabric Is there any other clubs in London that you would go to um, when you first Um, started going out? Yes and I'll try and remember the names of them there was like a few in Brixton Herbal was Herbal? And these are all like drum and bass nights? Yeah Oh yeah Loosely, like I was probably a bit closed-minded when it came to dance <laughs> music back then. It was like it's drum and bass, or else I'm not going. You're like, a bit like that, though, aren't you? Like <laughs> I know what I like. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to stick to what I know in a in a way. I think that's why sometimes festivals are good because you tr- you see all these kind of other genres around you, and your friends are pulling you to different sides. But I agree. In t- in terms of club nights, you sometimes do yeah, stick yeah. to what you know. Yeah, and it sort of got to there like. Before then, when I was, say, 15, 16, too young to go to pubs and clubs, going to, like, Reading, and then you're like, go to see a bunch of bands, and then by the end of the weekend, you're like, I spent a lot of time in the dance tent. <laughs> like, and it's sort of just like, I don't know, you just figure out what you like, don't you, mm-hmm. by going out from a young age and then uh, slowly 
sort of narrow it down to the sort of music you want to listen to. And I suppose I was just a bit serious about about the music so that it was a bit like market research and going out <laughs> yeah. and listening to DJs. Like, oh, you really funny. put your time to good use. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so, maybe. <laughs> I mean, evidently now, off. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you come up with the name Hybrid Mind? Uh, See, even thesaurus, that's quite a I bit think. of technical. Like hearing you talk about your music, it seems like it is a bit like you like the technical side. It's a bit like an equation almost, and even the name is quite like reminds me of kind of that. Yeah, I suppose it is. It that was just like hitting a thesaurus, <laughs> really, and um, like because it means like two minds, like it's two things. There's two of us. Yeah, mm. there we go. And you're a hybrid. And it, yeah, like, and yeah. then I mean. Now every every now and again we get like tagged in some hybrid car adverts oh, on yeah. Instagram and shit. <laughs> get a few followers that way, which is great. <laughs> but but um, yeah, it was one of them. I think I've always found the name thing a bit lame as a thing to do as a grown up because it's sort of like when you play football as a kid and stuff and pretend you're different footballers like you have like this weird name but you just get used to them so at first we're like this is a bit I don't know is it lame and then you just like sort of it just you eventually just relax with it I suppose yeah and I suppose no one really thinks that deeply about it they just want to be able to refer to someone as something yeah 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 Josh and Matt probably wouldn't have (laughs) been as exciting would it so what um what drew you two together because um you both were on the online radio show like yeah. how did that progress into you actually wanted to make music together well we were chatting oh, this is back in like the days of aol messenger MSN. Um, yeah all that stuff and um we chat a lot i was um he was a producer and dj and i was a dj slash graphic designer so i do like graphic design work for like promoters and people in drum and bass and stuff Mm -hmm. and um he had a record label and then i also had this other little record label and then we sort of just worked together he helped me out i helped him out with graphic design and then we ended up uh running uh, this label together which was called motion sense and then after that just um i started to learn how to make music and matt was helping me learn that and then he was making like heavy jump up stuff and then we really wanted to make a liquid track um so the first track we made together was a track called the place um and we released that in 2011 and it just got loads of it did well so we were like okay let's do this more often (laughs) yeah let's do this again (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then it just sort of that's what we've been doing since 2011 so it just built do you think liquid is where your heart is or do you prefer doing the jump up stuff Uh, no liquid i mean jump up stuff's fun to play it's fun to go out play music that people go mental to but to me always as creating the music making the music it's like making nice melodic music just sort of feels right feels like i don't know it's just more interesting to us to make yeah and what was the scene like back when you released that first first song was it what was the drum and bass scene like was it quite Um, prominent or was it still a bit i i don't really know like it was quite underground i'd say at the minute it's drum and bass is smashing it yeah um, and it was back then but it was sort of underground it was friday nights at fabric and um we had uploads on ukf um which is a, a youtube channel uh that sort of got us mm-hmm. the, the the views and then we just started out doing gigs everywhere not like massive clubs but just like random regional shows around the uk 
and um it's quite hard for me to remember because there's like the lines are blurred between when <laughs> when we were solo jump up DJs playing yeah. like innovation and those sort of like jump up events in Spain and stuff. And then when did we start taking gigs as hybrid minds? But it was those sort of we started playing in room freeze and stuff, started getting more bookings mm-hmm. and it just slowly snowballed from there. When was like dubstep? Because I feel like I was listening to dubstep at school mm. and that was like 2000. Dubstep was a bit. After, it was maybe a similar time, just a little bit after. Mm. And then that really took off, didn't it, in yeah. England? Um, that sort of stood side by side with drum and bass for a bit, didn't it? And then went off to America. Yeah. And Grillex sort of kicked it off over there. And all the English dubstep guys were like, see ya. Yeah. yeah. I'm going <laughs> to America. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was definitely around that time. And what was the... What, so you were saying you played in kind of like the regional clubs. How 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 do the crowds differ from like the regional clubs to kind of the big clubs? Or is the energy kind of still the same? The energy is always good in smaller clubs. I mean, the, the, the massive difference back then to now is that we play softer music than other DJs in the club and now people know the music. So we've got the confidence that we can do it and people will know the tracks and want to hear them. But playing softer music in a club when Room One's like got got Andy C in it and we're playing calmer tracks that people don't know, that's hard. Mm. Like, so it would be like not, p- people not going as, as mental as they do now to that stuff. So we had to play a lot of heavier stuff with it to, to keep the energy up. But it did just change from venue to venue. Um, and country, like going out to Netherlands for the first time that was our first gig together abroad that was really good because our sound was doing better in Europe than it was in England yeah it's only like in the last it's only like in the last five years or whatever that England has now become stronger than like Europe for us Mm. but before it was like all all our gigs were were in Europe really what was it like going out in those um Europe cities was there any like standout um kind of just like atmospheres that you were like this this is being a DJ yeah (laughs) yeah like the the biggest difference was like back in the it's not so much like it now but in like 2010 onwards for a bit in England drum and bass clubs were quite moody and there's a lot of people stood around with their arms crossed and like you know, like wondering if they're gonna try and beat you up <laughs> and rob you. And like it's like quite a judgmental sort of scene. But as soon as you went to Europe, everyone danced how they wanted. Everyone was like it was so much friendlier. And it, it, it's like that now in England. But back then it 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 was a bit. Yeah, that surprises me because I feel like anytime I see a drum and bass crowd, they're just going yeah for it. so that surprises mm-hmm. me that they used to be quite with withdrew withdrawn yeah it used to be quite moody like there was a lot of people robbing people and really? stuff at, at raves back in the early 2000s onwards yeah and in europe it was just everyone was doing love hearts with a hand <laughs> so it was like it, it was really nice to go out there and it's just exciting to go and p- play a gig abroad mm, i bet has there been any standout cities other than Amsterdam? Um, now, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vienna was always an amazing one in Europe and still is. Um, Czechoslovakia now is smashing it. And there's just so many nice, nice places that yeah. you just get to go and visit these nice cities and stuff. Yeah. We speak to a lot of people who 
often don't get the time really to go and see the cities do you do you get to do that whilst you're away sometimes you do and so, sometimes you don't yeah. I, I remember going to new york and being like sick i'm gonna get to go and look around new york like like round, round the city going taking all the sights and i like landed at night got a lift into brooklyn stayed in some dingy hotel it was like pretty rough and then straight away the next morning went straight back to the airport and i was like it was so sad that i was trying to see if i could see new york through the window at the airport like oh, that's oh. that's really sad <laughs> that was I like just the imagine sightseeing you on, like, the got. window like no. yeah <laughs> as you're pulling away yeah just just looking at google images <laughs> but yeah sometimes you get you get to have a look around the promoter like would take you out for lunch the next day and stuff you do get to see some amazing cities and, and sites and stuff yeah i suppose um we off we know that obviously promoters take the artists out and mm-hmm. stuff but it's nice to hear it as like um that you get a lot from that experience as yeah. well mm-hmm. um, especially in europe like in in the it's always funny when european artists come to england and they're like they didn't pick me up from the airport they didn't take me out for dinner. They didn't like because in England, like back then, it was like everyone was just used to the artist showing up. You might not even say hello to them. Mm-hmm. They show up, do the gig, and they're gone. But in Europe, because you're obviously flying, you get picked up at the airport, taken out for dinner and stuff. And it's just it's so funny to see Europeans come to England because they they used to hate it. Do they think we're like really inhospitable? I know. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a note for all you English promoters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wine and Not so much DJs. anymore. Not yeah. so much anymore, like, changed. But, like, back then it was it was way more uh, fun to go and play in Europe. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier about people, you know, singing your songs back at you and it's a bit mm-hmm. more of, like, karma. I noticed that Touch has had 22 million streams on Spotify, which is mega. What yeah, What mad. do you feel about that? I, I just, uh, yeah, it's mental. Because it's, like, didn't get played anywhere, didn't get any support. I don't know how it happened. It was, like, <laughs> I think uh, Matt did a tour in New Zealand and the drum and bass scene in New Zealand is, like, if, if you switch on the TV or turn on the radio, they're playing drum and bass in New Zealand. It's, yeah, like, my friend, there. My friend lived out there and he got really into drum and bass there and now yeah. he's back here, he's like, a He's like a DJ now, like a drum and bass DJ. Yeah, it is their dance music. Yeah, he's saying that it's massive over there. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And it's like the other side of the planet. So the first time you go there, they know your music better than they do in England. And you're like, what the... Like, it's just, it's nuts. So Matt did uh, a tour out there. He noticed that people were singing touch. So he was brave. I'm not sure if I would have done this the first time. He, He... basically pulled the track fully out yeah and there was some footage of everyone singing singing it yeah we saw uh, that on your instagram yeah we were literally watched. it made yeah. me emotional yeah. like oh it's so and it just captures that that atmosphere so well better than any after movie better than anything if you just get that video clip that's just raw sort of in the moment footage and after that it sort of became a thing and people were just singing touch every show matt did that tour he'd bring it down people would sing it and then that sort of started happening in in england as well and uh i think that's how it grew so much organically yeah just that that sort of sing-along in the clubs yeah because that video resonated so much like brought up so much emotion as well i think for now when you're not being in clubs or whatever Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it means so much more now yeah yeah it's i can't wait to to do that again hopefully people still sing it maybe we'll turn it down and (laughs) no they will they're not gonna forget the lyrics i mean 22 million streams yeah Yeah. it's mad and it's just like i i i think that 
plays a bit played a big part in where how we got to where we are now because you can't sell an event better than footage from it yeah of, of like capturing that atmosphere it's just it's it's done us wonders so big shout to matt for being being a brave boy yeah so is he touring out there alone now he's with our mc um there a week into quarantine and then they get out and then they're doing gigs for four weeks yeah and then and then coming home do you often do shows apart yeah quite often like especially those like ones in new zealand and stuff it's Mm. like people it used to be that like Given the choice, any promoter in Europe, do you want to pay for two flights or one? They're like, what? Well, one, one of you is fine. <laughs> and then it just sort of like we got used to being able to do two gigs. One will be in Europe, one will be in England. Um, Matt lives up in Leeds. I live down uh, in Hertfordshire. And we just sort of like do gigs individually. But we really like been trying to, especially the bigger festivals and stuff. Like yeah. Make sure we both do them together and with our MC and stuff. Because it's just, it can't be beat when it's just like it's way more fun yeah yeah I always think being an MC is like I was literally about to say this (laughs) I just think it's the best job ever it just looks the funnest thing like tunes hype the crowd but they hype the crowd don't they just having like a little how do you find a good MC yeah Uh, literally the man that I can hide behind (laughs) like it's brilliant like I just want to sort of DJ and so does Matt and get get on with focusing on what we're doing Mm. having someone between you and the crowd speaking to the crowd and stuff worth its weight in gold it's sort of like if i'd go to a gig and the the like band didn't speak much and just played their songs and left i'd be like i'd be thinking they're assholes they didn't <laughs> yeah. even speak to us like but now it's like we don't have to do that because we've got an MC that can speak to the crowd so no one thinks we're assholes which is brilliant <laughs> but there's been times like when I'm in I've done a tour in New Zealand and not had an MC and they leave a microphone Ooh. next to the next to the decks and I'm like I'm not I'm not saying anything <laughs> have you seen how many people here like and the, especially when you're like from England and you're just like you, yeah we're like I like, say drum you say bass and you're just like yeah I can't it would just be like, just like pick up and be like you're right yeah I feel, I feel like you'd be really polite and you'd be like how is everyone <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not the vibe so having an MC is like very important uh, to us because you just have to have that energy on yeah. the microphone it changes the room did you have them an MC from the beginning well you'd always have MCs and how people would book drum and bass lineups is that they'd book DJs and MCs and you just sort of have whoever they booked. Yeah. Back in the days when we were jump up DJs, it'd be like they'd the lineup would have ten DJs and thirty MCs and then they'd just be like MCs everywhere. Yeah. Like so you always have them. And I actually met our MC Mike, who's with Matt now, at one of those raves. It was Innovation in the Sun in 2019. And we um I was doing sets for them because I did like artwork for them and stuff and do it doing my set in room three or whatever and uh temps won the mc competition that year which was like a thing and um then he jumped on my set that night and then we sort of recruited him a year later when we started making music and then we've just been working with him ever since and it's so good to have one person that just knows your music so well yeah can read the crowd and speak to them as opposed to like the old school way where you just have random yeah i was gonna say from night to night so if they place you with someone and you'd not met them before is it ever awkward yeah and i'd be a bit what what do they do like have you ever had like any bad experiences bad mc experiences yeah yeah 
Oh, God. I, I think every, every 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 drum and bass DJ has has a few of them. Yeah. What ca- what ca- what constitutes as bad? Well, they just don't shut up. Oh, <laughs> and like over, especially when you play a lot of tracks with vocals. Yeah, just, that is frustrating. Do you ever feel like just unplugging? Just going the mic? mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've turned down a few in my time, but like only sort of like turn it down slowly and sort of and see of if they notice at the same time because I don't want to get punched in the face while I'm. Yeah, especially DJing. if he's got the volume up and he's like. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, but I yeah I do turn them. I did used to turn them down frequently. But I mean, at the same time, you can get surprised and really sort of vibe with one, and mm. it's good fun. But definitely with the sort of music we're playing, where it's more uh, there's a lot more a lot more lyrics. You need someone that knows your music, otherwise it's just gonna it's not gonna work. Yeah, you've got um, a lot of like vocalists on your tracks, mm-hmm. um, such as Tiffany Juno, Alexa Harley, and I was just wondering what you look for in an artist for a drum and bass track because they're well, always like beautiful, like t- touch yeah. makes me want to cry. <laughs> But in a good way. Yeah, that's the sort of thing, like, that we look for, I suppose. Like, someone that's, like, got a bit of a unique voice, um, usually quite soft, usually, like, quite indie, which is, like, different for drum and bass, like, rather than getting, like, rappers and, mm-hmm. and stuff, or, like, big dancey vocals. We want to get, like, more organic indie-sounding vocals. So that sort of stuff. And then just people that can write yeah. good songs, like good lyrics so do you leave um, as well not leave that up to them but do they have like the a lot main, of the time yeah. yeah a lot of the time like we will send an instrumental to someone and then say do whatever you think on this which is a really like cool way of doing it because you just let people you sort of have people that you trust that you know that can do can write good lyrics and then you sometimes get sent and you're something and it doesn't work but sometimes you get sent something and they've done something completely different to what you had in your head and it's amazing and that's just like christmas yeah because yeah. it's just like you just have to trust professionals to do their job and when you sort of leave them to do that that's when they do their best work and yeah. then other times we have lyrics and then you say can you sing this or you'll have vocals first and then we write a track around that and then adjust it mm-hmm. like it does change from track to track but predominantly especially in the earlier days we would write an instrumental have singers that we know uh, yeah. we like see if what they do with that is good and then go from there is that like a bit of a pinch me moment when someone like do you ever feel moved by what they've written? Yeah, like it's it's so exciting when you get an amazing vocal back. That. It's just because it makes it brings the track together quite often. Like especially if it's like a full vocal and you want verses, choruses and stuff rather than just a little like sample. It can really like sort of brings the track together and you're like, yes, this is now. Sounds sounds finished, I suppose. I bet it's so nice hearing from like another artist, like their interpretation of kind of your, um, like the instrumental that you send mm-hmm. over, like if they have creative freedom, that must be amazing hearing like their interpretation of it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It, it's it's good. It it does leave us open to a lot of like myths or it, it's a trial and error thing because it's like we're quite, I suppose, hippie about it. We're like, we know we're like it when we hear it yeah and it's like to some people that's just like oh great so you're giving me no direction here and then yeah. we can give them direction we can we can reference other tracks because we want this to sit yeah yeah like this but 
I mean, two two out of three times, it's it's good with the people we're working with. What about like you and um, you and Matt? Do you always agree? Do you always or do you have like um, polar opinions sometimes? And when you get them them tracks back, um, we tend to agree. That's there's there's nice times thing. where it's like hmm, I'm not sure on this bit or that bit. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we don't agree, and then we get uh, a new vocal. Most of the time, especially with the the tracks like tracks like Touch, it was just like yes, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, sometimes it there's some back and forth. That. I mean, we've been working together since 2010, so we're used to just being savages of each other now. Surpassed <laughs> so friendship, you're like, More yeah, like brothers, <laughs> brothers, yeah, yeah. I suppose so, and it just makes it so much easier when you can just go, yeah, that's good, but that's shit. Yeah. Like, and we just have that sort of bond now, I suppose, where we can do that. And it's so productive. Do you find that when you're playing together, like you said, for the bigger festivals you try to, do you find that you're more experimental because you're playing together or how does it differ from a set alone or do you just try Um, and remain consistent? We we, we try and remain contain being consistent like whether it's one of us or two of us we play similar sets um because we want to do the best set we can with our music um the one thing is it's so much more fun for us because when you're stood on a stage by yourself you're not in the part you're not a part of the party yeah and it's just like everyone's down there that's where they're having fun like so when there's two of you as many people on stage as you can get you're sharing the experience it's just more fun it's like way more fun and um at drum and bass events as well the ones that we can see you're doing and we're on uh that are on skiddle they've got massive lineups like do you is there any particular artists that you love playing alongside um with our headline shows we really like programming them because it's like we can get the people that we love that make the softer tracks that we like yeah. they can play before us and then we can just get like that sort of jump up demon comes out of us and we're like yeah <laughs> book hazard get like and there's like people like boo and stuff at the minute all these uh new uh jump uppy heavy guys we love uh hearing them play so it's like we finish our set and then boo can come on and tear tear the club an arsehole and we can sit there like going, yeah <laughs> like just just really enjoying it so yeah i suppose like the the being able to book the the sort of spectrum from the softest to the heavier stuff is just it's really enjoyable and is it important to you to like champion new artists and get them involved in your events like how do you go about that process yeah it is um and we we love booking new artists that whose music we love and it's it's hard when you when you make liquid because anyone can go and play an hour of bangers and people go nuts but to like play that softer stuff it can be like hard to get a room and it can be hard to read a room because if you're on a big stage far away from the crowd they're not all throwing limbs around and stuff and you can get paranoid and be like oh is this track going down all right but no one's left so yeah, it obviously is. Like, you can go and do a concert where people sit down, like, still enjoy it. Yeah. So to get those guys uh, to come and play sets whose music we love is is quite important to us. And I suppose it's the same same way we got to where we are by playing Room Freeze, playing mm-hmm. uh, sort of support acts. And then people know you and then you play somewhere else and they go see you there. And then you were playing in the small room of the club, but... It was packed and then like people will just get noticed that way and, and then they just come through. Yeah. Would you ever dip in on these nights? Would you ever dip into the crowd and kind of or would do, would do you get like identified and like do people spot you in a crowd or can you just like forget that and dance along with everyone? Um, 
it completely depends like it, it's hard now because people want to like get a photo and stuff and it's yeah. it's awkward it's i don't like people watching me like work or do anything so when you know like someone looking at you and you just stood there get really self-conscious i'm like someone someone's watching me yeah standing. that mustn't be nice but um we do. Uh, we last year, especially drum and bass has got an amazing community. That and then they, there's festivals like Let It Roll in Czechoslovakia, um, where all it's like a gathering of all drum and bass guys, and you can just all go around festivals together, and it's really like easy. Uh, hospitality on the beach was like that. Uh, not last year because last year was lockdown wasn't it it's so but hard the, to judge now isn't it like yeah. in terms of tithing <laughs> I know oh. but the year before we, we did that and we stayed there for a week and we went to the festival every day and it was really easy it wasn't like people recognising us uh, and I figured out me and Matt always wear hats I haven't for a while, but um, at that festival, I could take my hat off and no one would recognise me and people would ask me to take photos of them with Matt. That's and I'd amazing. be like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So I found my camera, my, my Clark Kent uh, glasses there, I yeah. suppose. Oh, that's amazing. And it was, yeah, it was just really good. It, it's good to go and be at really comfortable festivals where you know, like, you can go and have fun without people staring at you. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, for the sort of headline clubby shows, I don't know, I, I don't spend that much time in sweaty clubs. I like a outside festival, like daytime thing. I suppose I'm probably getting a bit old. But oh, Well, yeah, we were going to ask, like, where's your night? Where do you like nights out now? What's your vibe? Daytime festivals, mm. absolutely. Quieter. The, there's a festival in the Netherlands called Liquicity, which is... Uh, nice predominantly liquid lineup nice space spacious festival yeah. it's not like they've sold as many tickets as they can to cram as many people in it's like nice relaxed atmosphere so that hospitality on the beach a couple of years ago those sort of like holiday trips that is like go out in the day um but to play like our, our headline tour in england mm -hmm. that can't be beat that's like it's nuts like taking our own production into venues and stuff and it's sort of like a bit more like a headline show it's mad because you know everyone there has come to see you and you're like what the see, see the queue before you get in and you're like what's going on that must so be to, surreal yeah yeah it's it's mad and has there been any standout venues was there any standout uh, ones on your tour yeah um the one in Bournemouth is, um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the O2 in Bournemouth. It's like an old, is it like an opera-y looking place? It's a really old looking building anyway. Mm. And it's so cool. And the production in there looked like so sick because they've got all these old sort of beams and like balconies and stuff. So that was great. But that's just off an architectural vibe rather, <laughs> rather than a vibes <laughs> one. But, you know, that, that stood out to us as looking at that crowd in such a great, sort of building was yeah the architecture definitely matters doesn't it when it comes to doesn't buildings it? it's not spoke it's not spoken about enough no. in drum and bass the yeah. importance of architecture yeah mm. i remember that in liverpool have you ever been to the bombed out church before when they do nights in there that's a surreal venue because that's you're in an old church with no roof and the lights in it and i wow. always think that's just a magical venue yeah that's sick that's probably why i love festivals like mm. outside spaces can be it's just yeah. cool it's just a bit more you unique isn't it than like we've you can go into a dark night club again and again yeah and get lost in them you can mm -hmm. be like what room am i in in fabric or like yeah. egg or something like that but those sort of amazing outdoor venues are, are definitely 
can't be beat. A good festival, a good ta- daytime set. Yeah, uh, festival it, it, it also feels like special daytime festival because it's like you don't get a chance to do that every weekend, or like we like mm-hmm. we don't get the chance to do that yeah. every weekend. So it's always a bit more magical because you appreciate it a lot. Yeah, for sure. Everything's better if the sun's out. Yeah, percent. Yeah. So, yeah, can't beat the UK. On a sunny day, <laughs> no. This is not an atmosphere like it. Couple that with some liquid drum and bass, and you've got <laughs> you got yourself a winner. You have. <laughs> um, I was actually quite interested to know what kind of artists you're keeping an eye on at the moment. Is there anyone that's like bubbling up that you're enjoying? Yeah, well, I mentioned him before, but there's a, a jump up guy called Boo who is he's killing it. He's like um, making some heavy tunes that are just party track like just pure sort of capture everything about going out and listening to drum and bass and then like on the more melodic side uh, there's a guy called Monroe who we book as much as we can and we just think we just think he's amazing and uh he's starting to get like a bit of momentum there's just loads there's there's a lot of people especially since last march that have just been in the studio so there's there's a lot of good music coming out yeah and uh, we haven't really as soon as they can about, go out mm. we haven't really chatted about like the pandemic which is quite refreshing but it is quite refreshing isn't it have you managed to produce well obviously you produce great work but like be creative during during yeah. this time especially like we've wrote so much music to the point where we're now like everything we're making we're like until this is out we're just making more of the same sort of stuff because we've got so much there. Um, but yeah, we, we really try to sort of make the most out of it as soon as possible because yeah. we like we we really struggled to find the time to get in the studio before lockdown. So we were like, brilliant, we're going to make the most of this. Yeah, do as much as we qu- we can, quick as possible. And then it was like October. We're like, okay, we're we've, ready. <laughs> we <laughs> we've definitely had enough time in the studio now. Can I please leave? Yeah, mm. let but, me play some of them <laughs> yeah. in a club. Especially with yeah. you listening back to your stuff and you're just like itching to get like to play it in front of an audience. Yeah, it just it stops it slows down the whole process. So you is, can, is you, Matt you, playing? Double that? Co- yeah, it, so Matt's. I'm a bit jealous of him. Oh. I mean, he's had to do two weeks quarantine. Yeah, which, that's a lot, isn't it? Which is quite savage, but he's going to get that refreshment of sort of playing music in the sun in the middle of the day in New Zealand like it, it's the best place to play drum and bass so that will really like I think relight that sort of motivation uh, in him I've got some gigs in the summer um, social distance things that I hope will do the same but it is that missing people hearing your track is the feedback that you need for the music you're making without that you can it can be like uh, is this good i don't know yeah and, oh. and you, you you doubt yourself basically so Market as soon as we research. can yeah. yeah exactly yeah exactly so it's getting out in front of people and playing it is such a key part of it yeah and um also there's going to be or well, there's a petition to start a drum and bass day i just wondered if that's Sweet. something that you're <laughs> getting behind do you know about much about i haven't that? heard of it yeah. what is it do we yeah. get a day off school and stuff <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the Blast UK has created a petition to officially recognise April 17th as Drum and Bass Day, which okay. is the date 17 of the 4th, 17th of the 4th. Yeah. Ah, one seven four. Yeah. So it. <laughs> it's chosen as a reference to 174 beats per minute. Uh, but you can actually sign a petition on change.org mm-hmm. to actually I mean, so officially. It, it, it would be recognised as Drum and Bass Day. By who? The Queen? 
Oh, I think we're like, do, do we need to get it officially recognised, or if everyone think, just goes again, goes I think with someone, it? Anyway. Someone needs to tell the Queen about it. Yeah. she needs to know. But I feel like she'll be into. Yeah, it. I'll sign that. I'll, I'll sign that. I've got, I've got time to sign some stuff. <laughs> so yeah, well, I'll let's do you it. After this. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think it's not. I think it has to get two thousand five hundred signatures, and um, I'm sure it will after this. Yeah. But it's it's not that far from the target, so okay. it could be well, be a nice day, especially next year when we can properly do something on seventeen four. I'm sure yeah. there'll be drum and bass events popping off everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Do you, does anyone know what day that's going to? Is it going to be like a Wednesday or something? Oh, I don't know. Ooh. Let me look at my calendar. Yeah. Get your calendar. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be that's going to dictate the success of drum and bass day, isn't it? Ooh. Oh, it's a Saturday. Ooh. Oh, that's just perfect. screaming for a day event, isn't it? Yeah. Let me yeah. see. So is that next year is going to be on a Sunday? Because it's possible, year, is it? Don't know. Um, well, well, that's a good start, isn't it, for the drum and bass day? Yeah, it is. Yeah, good. Yeah, they've chosen good anniversary. Yeah, and it all fits so well. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wanted to see if you knew about that, but now you don't. You can sign the petition. I do now. Yeah, you've made me aware, and I'll be signing <laughs> that. So you said you had got some shows in the summer. Um, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to? Or oh, you've got I fifteen mean, events. <laughs> Minimum. The, I don't know. Like our whole um, approach, mine and Matt, from day one of lockdown was nothing will ever happen again. And if we get that in our heads, we won't be disappointed. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm really hopeful that our headline show at Brixton in uh, October will happen. I think it's looking like it's going to happen. Um, in my mind, that is the day. That's the day where either events are happening or I'm going to be really, really cross. <laughs> That's <laughs> and the like, last straw. Everything before then, this summer, all the festivals, all these amazing bookings we've got, I'm like, I'm not even going to think about them until mm. the week of them because I don't want to get excited about them and they all get cancelled, basically. So as, as long as Touchwood, uh, Brixton happens in October... I'm sweet. Where's that? Is that the O2? That's the O2, yeah. yeah. So it's our biggest ever show. It's like lockdown happened at the worst time for us. I it happened at the worst time for everyone. But it was the week of our headline show at Printworks, which was our biggest oh. ever London show. And it sold out. It was like oh, wow. the, the, the moment of our career, basically. And then it was like we had all special guests lined up and, and all sorts. And yeah, it was like, nope. Oh wow! So like that that headline London show is gonna be where we left off. So it's like the the moment for us yeah. that need, needs to happen at some point. And I mean, it's been delayed by a year and a half yeah. now. Yeah, it's years in the making. Yeah. God, I can just imagine the crowd. How like excited? How ready they are to be there as well? It's gonna be epic. Yeah, and everyone's been so good about it with like transferring tickets because we did we we moved the date to another date at Printwork. And then we moved it to O2 and like most people just kept their ticket, uh, which is great because yeah. I mean, to have like three, three and a half thousand, whatever ticket sold, it was, it was like, oh, if we move this, is everyone just going to say, nope, give me my money. And then it's like, we just lost sort of that sellout London show, mm. but hopefully we get it. And yeah. anything before that, brilliant. Yeah. Like all these festivals we're getting and we were supposed to do a IB for residency as well in last summer stuff that just didn't happen. So maybe that will happen at some point next year. Mm -hmm. Maybe. The, I don't know. Like, I think as soon as restrictions 
come off of stuff, it's just going to go mad. Because yeah. it went, our bookings have gone mad since they uh, brought this roadmap out. Yeah, from a Skinner point of view, it's been a great couple of weeks. Like, so exciting seeing all these events being listed for so many yeah. different c- types of events. And even just like everyone's kind of attitudes are so much more like positive yeah. from yeah. that roadmap announcement. My, mine as well. And I'm a bit like telling myself, hey, this is the, gov- <laughs> this, this is the government that told you this, Josh. Don't you let them get your hopes up again yeah so holding I'm your breath just, isn't it like yeah it, it really is but i mean we have to have some positivity and any event is getting rescheduled anyway so like they yeah. will all happen at some point yeah yeah exactly and obviously um ib for is big for electronic music but i think i always associate it with like house techno mm-hmm. yeah. and um but then when i went to amnesia obviously they have a drum and bass room don't they and you have yeah. to walk through the drum and bass room to get into like the like house techno room um so what's your experience like in, in ib for it's probably I've never different- been Ah. I've never been. So the first time me and Matt were ever going to go to Ibiza was going to be every Monday for three months. <laughs> wow. That is how to do it, isn't it? Like, and with our own night, like doing all the lineup um, and stuff. So that would have been mad. Where but was I mean, that? Uh, Eden. Yeah. I don't know what's what's happening with it. Uh, if it's being rescheduled, if it's moving, if whatever. Like nobody knows anything. But I think we will we will eventually get get out there, which would be great. Would have been nice. We could have had a villa every Monday, you know. Imagine, yeah. That's that's how to do summer, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> I be there every Monday. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, you'll have to let us know how you find it. Yeah. Yeah. How hopefully. you find the island? <laughs> so um, we've got a question that we ask every guest, and um, basically, it's if you could go out anywhere with anyone, where would you go, and who would you go out with? I can't wait to go to the pub with my <laughs> with my friends to be honest. Yeah. Like at the minute that that's going to be a good day, isn't it? For mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. Like it's going to be sunny hopefully on that day. It's it's, it's got to be sunny. That's a definite, isn't it? It's going to be like you said, we've all been holding our breath. That's going to be like when we stop holding our breath. Mm-hmm. So in, that's the only only thing I, I'm thinking about. That's the next the next good day. Yeah, is is that one? And then like who knows? Maybe we'll get to go to clubs. Yeah. And then I can't even think about that right now because that's too much excitement. Yeah, I know what you mean. One step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like but your I mean, attitude. The, the, yeah. the first festival. The first festival. I think I'll with, cry when I walk into a festival. For the it's first gonna be time. exactly. It's gonna be such a moment seeing seeing all our friends again within the scene that we're used to seeing yeah. every weekend going and doing a gig with them and just like on like a nice sunny day nice festival or whatever it's gonna be it's gonna be emotional yeah. I think. yeah i don't even think when i first sit down in a beer garden i don't think i'm even gonna say a word i'm just no. gonna watch everyone around me and just feel yeah, so content because <laughs> the thing is the vibe's good in a beer garden and a festival like can you imagine it after all this time apart Ma- like literally ev- every day out it's gonna be like going to a birthday party when you're in year six <laughs> yeah it's like it's gonna be the one it's, it's yeah it's gonna be great that's such a good way to describe it I love with that. with or without the bouncy castle yeah, yeah. exactly doesn't even matter Might get a bouncy castle that would take it to a whole new level <laughs> god i can't cope with that too much Jeez, uh, yeah, too much be, um, imagine 
Well, it's, it's been really great. Thank you for talking us through drum and bass as yeah. well. Like this has been a, a new perspective for us. Um, but thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. And we're really crossing our fingers for Brixton in October. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been good. Good. Thank you very much. Goodbye. See you later. Cheers, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Going Out podcast with Skiddle. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe wherever you hear this podcast. Thank you.